We're in Exodus chapter 20 tonight, considering again the, set, the fourth commandment, the Sabbath day. I'll read it and then I'll pray. Exodus 20, verses 11, 8 through 11. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So as I'm coming to you, I mentioned last week that we need to keep in mind five things as we consider this topic of the Sabbath day. First of all, and especially the Ten Commandments uh, as an overall concept of all of them, they're moral laws. They derive from God's nature and His work. And secondly, their principles precede the Mosaic Covenant. This points to the reality that these ten points, these ten sayings, these ten commandments were always to be either forbidden or to be exercised. Uh, three, Jesus perfectly complied with them all in bringing salvation to us and all that they imply for life on earth. Fourth, the Ten Commandments are never rescinded in Scripture. None of them are. Not one of them is. Fifth, our love for Christ compels us to obey them. In fact, as I've been saying, as I've been arguing for, our keeping them is somewhat of an exposition of our love for God. This is the way that we live out our lives and love towards God in keeping these commandments. And last week we considered the question, does the Sabbath day matter to a Christian? And really that comes with the weight of the question, is it passed away with their other ceremonial observances in the law that have passed away? Is the Sabbath day one of them? And, and I answered that last week by saying no, because it's a moral law that God founded, upon, uh, founded in his creation. Therefore, it's a natural law. It's not merely a ceremonial law. It was Genesis 2, 2 and 3, when God said, this day is holy. B, secondly, the principle of it precedes the Mosaic Covenant. Therefore, we know it does. It was, it was established in creation. Therefore, we know that it precedes Mosaic Covenant and uh, also agrees with the, the picture of our redemption, even in Israel's redemption out of Egypt. Third, Jesus kept the Sabbath day and is Lord of it. He said that he is Lord of it. And some people say that this means that it doesn't matter for us. If he's Lord of it, then we do whatever we want to then on that day, and we just observe it by worshiping Jesus. But I don't think that's what the scriptures teach. They teach that he is Lord and has always been Lord of it. And never does he rescind his lordship of it. Fourth, the Sabbath day principle is never, as I've mentioned already, rescinded in scripture. And there it is. And then we ended last week in Colossians 2, 16 and 17, which does seem like it rescinds the Sabbath day. And in fact, this is what the church has held onto since the beginning of the church 
as one of the principal reasons why we don't observe a Jewish, Jewish Sabbath. Colossians 2:16 and 17 says, Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belong to Christ. And I argue that Paul is dealing with a specifically Jewish observance of these days. This was part of the heresy that had crept in in Colossia. But I have another question this evening in regards to Colossians 2, 16 and 17. If Paul was concerned with the Jewish observance of these days and says of them that they are shadows passed away, the Jewish observance of them have no import for us as believers, as Christians, whether we're Jew or Gentile, does this mean we can judge one another as to whether or not we keep the Sabbath day principle, if indeed it is a principle taken from creation. Can we judge one another then based on this principle, if in fact it stands, not in the Jewish sense, but in the creation sense, the creation ordinance sense? And my first answer to that is, it, it's, we got to be careful. In one sense, we can never judge based upon a traditional use of this day. Because this day has a, 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 at least in part, use of a ceremonial use. I mean, we're here today in observance of this principle. And the church has always seen that their observance of this principle is taken, is observed on the Lord's Day. But we cannot build upon that that principle, traditions, and therefore judge one another according to the traditions that we might see. I even believe that the Lord's Day itself is one of those traditions. It's never prescribed to us in the New Testament to only worship, only meet for worship on Sundays. It's never prescribed as an absolute you must. Therefore, we got to be careful to judge one another, saying, you know, if the church in Maui decides they should worship on Thursday. And I'll talk about this a little bit more later. I don't think any church should just do that willy-nilly. I think there are good reasons we observe it on Sunday. But if they do, it's not our position to say, oh, you're breaking the, the, the biblical idea. Really, the Lord's Day I see is more of a tradition. I don't see it as a means of a biblical authority, but I, I see it as a good tradition. There are good traditions. And this is one way the church can observe the law. Secondly, however, if Paul is not dealing with the Sabbath principle as laid down at creation, a moral principle that binds all humanity, not just Jew, not just Gentile, not just Christian, but one that God has affixed in nature, in the moral fabric of his creation, then I think we have a duty as believers to hold each other accountable to observe a day of rest as unto the Lord, to make it holy. And that should be very clear. But you see here, there are implications how we view this law. How we view this, there are strong implications for our life and how we live it out. This week, primarily, I want to think of the question together, how should we then obey this command? In what spirit, in which ways should we obey this command? 
First of all, I want to look at the text of Exodus in the first place. Exodus 20, we're in verses 8 through 11. And the first point I want to think of it, we need to think of the Sabbath day as a memorial. We need to remember. It says there, remember the Sabbath day. This is a continual day. It's not that God appointed uh, us to observe it once and then to leave it off. This is a continual uh, observing uh, that we are to have of this day. The Sabbath day should be a weekly memorial that brings our attention back from all of the civil affairs that we deal with every week back to spiritual, back to what I should say our spiritual center is. This has a very important sanctifying element, and therefore we cannot leave it off and say, oh, I observed it last week, I don't need to do it next week. It's got a continual aspect to it, a remembering aspect, a memorial aspect to it. Notice that this is a charge to remember or to observe it. As I said last week, it seems that out of the ten principles, ten laws, this is most easily forgotten. You could see perhaps why God would say at the very beginning, remember it calling our attention not to forsake it, not to forget it. And not only to remember it, but to keep it holy, he says in verse 8. And holy primarily means keep it separate from other days. Keep it distinct from other days. And we'll think about ways in which we can do that. In fact, the following verses help us to understand how we can keep it holy. How we can think of the Sabbath day as not just another day. And that's what we find, secondly, that we are to observe the Sabbath day by resting from our employment. Verses 9 and 10. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock, or a sojourner who is within your gates. Now first, notice the principle of work found in verse 9. He says, six days you shall labor and do all your work. Now I find that important for us. I don't take that as an absolute law that you must work for money six days out of the week. But I take that as given to us in order that we're not lazy with our time six days out of the week, that we apply ourselves and use our energy that we have to apply ourselves to work. Unless we're incapable from some malady to work or restrained from working, we should be diligent to work. Sometimes I think we forsake the Sabbath because we're lazy and don't work six days. I think the Sabbath, if it was made for man and not man for the Sabbath, means that it would be good for you to take a day off. But I think now, we're so in our society, we have a lot that has been given to us because of previous generations' work. Our freedoms that we enjoy, for the most part, are due to generations behind us that give us these freedoms on a civil order. And if we don't work, we're going to lose them. 
I believe. And that encompasses a, a vast array of, of issues in life. And I'm not going to settle down here. But we are to take the provision of rest on the Sabbath day as something that is beneficial because we need it. <laughs> because we need a day of rest. We need it, and God has meant for it to encourage us, to fill us, to restore our energy supplies, and our health even. We have six days where we may work for our earthly goods. You ever think about that? God gave us six days that we can employ ourselves to our needs and our wants. And he just asks for one. He doesn't ask. He tells us one. One day, cease from all of that and rest. Rest and keep this day holy. Secondly, the rest is for everyone here. Verse 10. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. You, listen to this list. Your son, your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, your livestock. That is a list in brief that encompasses everybody. That's what the point is. Everybody has a right to a day off, this day off. And I said I would say this word to some people that were here before. This law provides for an equality of rest and labor. And I don't use that word flimsily, equality there. I mean God has in the fabric of creation meant for a day to define an equality amongst everybody. Everyone deserves a day of rest from their labor. Everybody needs one. Everybody should observe one in obedience to this principle. It teaches the employer that it is not only necessary to take a day off for themselves, but it is also necessary to give a day off to their worker. How much more so would a slave needed that? Yeah? You think people just became greedy yesterday? <laughs> This is to protect the weak in many ways. Those who don't have the power in and of themselves to decide when they are or when they won't work six days out of the week, God says they get the day off. And that's powerful. This verse really brings, I believe, home the idea of rest and its value to all of society. You see, God doesn't give us these Ten Commandments to grieve humanity. I think he's given them to show us that if we were to follow them, we would be well off. We would be all well off if we were to follow them. Now, we're all unrighteous in keeping them. We need to remind ourselves that. But they were given as good for everyone to observe them. Even for beasts of burden. Isn't that interesting to see here? But we know that the way that they often did their business was through livestock. Their work with their livestock. And even sojourners are permitted rest. And promoted rest. You see here there's an idea that society, in, as we observe this, we should promote society to observe this. I think that's something. I hope we'll think about that tonight and gain a conviction on ourselves. Do you promote in society a day of rest? Do you promote it in, in the world out there? 
It also shows the order in nature such that there is a need, as I've said, for renewal built into God's creation. Everything needs to renew. Even nature needs that. Everything needs to have a rest. It's interesting when you study the principles of the Old Testament and you talk, talk about the years of Jubilee, the years of the land resting. And I come from Montana where they strip a harvest, you know, so they'll, they'll only harvest this field for this year and then they'll skip it for so many years. And so they let the land recuperate, rest. God has built it in to, to nature. Consider this. This commandment is an offense to the greedy. It is an offense to those who only will pursue earthly gain and sinful pleasure. Take a day off. <laughs> Think about all the money you could miss out on that day when your business isn't open. Or you're not battling it out in capitalistic society. I'm not against capitalism as a whole. I think it can be dangerous if people are immoral, which we are. It's not restrained in immorality. Third, from our text, from Exodus, this rest should be worshipful. In verse 11, For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day. Listen to that. Now, I'm okay with people saying, as a matter of Christ fulfilling this principle, I don't think we have to observe it. I'm, I'm okay with people saying that's the conviction I have. I'm not okay with people saying this is a burdensome principle. I'm not okay with people just saying, ah, I just want to throw off the constraints of it because I feel like I should do what I want to do. Listen to the way God talks about it. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day. Are you going to call what God blessed a curse? And he made it holy. He separated it. He made a distinction between six days you shall work. On the seventh day, you shall separate that unto rest. Why? Because he created things in six days. And he rested. So the example is him. The example God puts before us in order for us to mine this law is his own resting. The Sabbath day is not hallowed because it was more important than this other six days of creation. It's not like the six days of creation prior to this was meaningless to God. Rather, it's holy because God ordained it to be different. He made it holy. He separated it. He set it apart. When he does that, and when we then keep the day as holy, as set apart, we are observing the greatness of God, not merely a day. It's not like the seventh day has an inherent quality to it. We observe it because of God's quality, because of his holiness, because he ordained that we observe it. And remember, we don't observe it for the sake of the day. God gave it to us for our good. And so when we think about it, our thoughts should be about him. He created everything in six days. He rested on the seventh day. He won for our, us our redemption. The first thing on our minds when we observe this principle should be the glory of God. 
His attributes, His glory as the creator and the sustainer of life should undergird our thinking on this day. And even more than that, more important, I would say, than that, is that He is our Redeemer and our Savior. The greatest work ever done, I think greater than creation, is the work of redemption. The work of God being made flesh and dwelling among us. That's unspeakable. But Christ rested from his labors as well. And therefore, when we observe this day, we ought to think about the creator, the sustainer of all life, God in his glory, Christ in his glory, our redemption in him should fill our minds on this day. That's how we set it apart. That's one of the ways we set it apart. Six days of the week, we set our minds onto how do I get from A to B and get my job done? How do I meet this person's need in my work, in my trade, in my employment? One day a week, do you set all that aside and say, how do I worship God? How can I respond to what he has done in creation and in my salvation with praise, with the thoughts of my mind, with the intent of my heart, being fully committed to him? That's hard to do when you're watching football. <laughs> it's, and I love, I used to love to watch football. I used to love to watch soccer. I'm still enticed to watch soccer. If there's, a, if there's a national game on, USA versus someone, ooh, or English Premier League game, praise God, they play mostly on Saturday. Well, that's just found in Exodus 20, but there are under other principles to be found in Scripture as to how we should observe this day. And I think these help us understand not only not, how not to be legalistic, but also how to be responsible to fulfill this or to observe this law. And so I want to look now at some other principles in Scripture for observing this fourth commandment. And one question that often comes up then is what day should we observe it? I've already mentioned, to some degree, my position on this. But I find that today there's a surge of protesters who are arguing for the reinstitution of a Saturday or Jewish Sabbath. Now, I'm not opposed to observing this day on Saturday just so long as you're not doing it to align yourself with the Jewish observation of it. It cannot be proven historically that the Saturday we observe as Saturday was the Saturday that God rested. It's just the calendars don't work. We just aren't able to do that. Some people say, well, I observe it Saturday because I know that's the day that God rested himself. So they see it as a principle, then I'll align with that resting principle. Even Christians will say that. We can't even be determinative, according to the calendar, that that's the actual Saturday. That's the actual seven day that he rested. 
But that's kind of besides the point, really. It misses the mark to just be concerned about what day of the week we're focused on. The principle is quite clear. Six days you work, seven you rest. Sabbath doesn't mean seventh. Some people think that Sabbath means seventh. Sabbath means to desist, to cease, to rest in Hebrew. The first thing on our minds as we think of this, what day should we observe, should probably be what day does the church observe? What day do other believers observe this day? Because that's going to be a lot easier for you to observe it on the day where other people are taking the day off and worshiping God than it would be for you to take off X day. Now, I know some people, they have to take a day off on another day. Some people, doctors, nurses, people that have to work, have to work on that day, on on the Lord's day, what we would call the Lord's day. And sometimes that's you. And, and yet, the principle doesn't desist and cease for you. You still should take a day of rest. Scripture never calls Sabbath, the Sabbath day, Saturday. It, the Sabbath means to desist, cease, or to rest. And as Paul makes clear, as we looked already in Colossians 2.16 and 17, any old covenant or traditionally Jewish allusion to the observance of the Sabbath is unnecessary for us. It has no binding effect on us, any Jewish-related connection to it. And in fact, if there is a Jewish connection to it, that should be rejected. Because we should never make it appear that we are aligning ourselves with the signs and the shadows of the Old Testament covenant people of God that have been fulfilled in Christ. Paul is very clear about that. That convolutes the whole thing. We want people to know that Christ has fulfilled it all in that sense. What about the Lord's Day then? Where do we get that idea? Well, let me say first of all that nothing in Scripture restricted the first century church to begin observing Sunday as their Sabbath day. It seems like they did this, the early church did this immediately after Christ's resurrection. After Christ arose, you see no more observation of the Sabbath day in the New Testament amongst Christians. It's amazing that they have the Last Supper, and then Sabbath is the day that they're not able to do anything, and then Sunday morning they run to the tomb, and there Christ has arose, and from then on you see almost nothing about a Jewish Sabbath at all being observed. It's a very natural break in the distinction. Sunday being the day on which Christ arose from the dead, completing his work of redemption, signaling that it was complete, the church saw as a perfect day to observe the principles of the Sabbath by corporately resting from their labor and worshiping God and encouraging the saints. And we do see that in Scripture. Acts 20, verse 7 says, On the first day of the week, when we gathered, when we were gathered together to break bread. Most people think that breaking bread there is a description of the Lord's Supper being taken together on the first day of the week in Acts 20, verse 7. Also in 1 Corinthians 6, 2, 
we see that the giving to those who were in need, this is something taken from the Old Testament, was done not on the Sabbath day, but it was done on the Lord's day. On the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside, Paul says, and store it up as he may prosper, so that there will be no collecting what I'm coming when I come. Paul is concerned about meeting the needs of the Jerusalem, those in Jerusalem, the Christians in Jerusalem. And he says, I want you on the first day of the week when you're gathered together to collect at that point in time because when I come, I don't want to have to call you together again and do that. And he says to do that on the first day of the week. I think it's implied there that there's an ordered gathering of the saints that already takes place on that day. And he says, therefore, take up alms on that day for those who are in need in Jerusalem. The Lord's day has been the day that the church since Christ has observed the Sabbath principle. Even in John's uh, revelation, in his uh, vision, in Revelation 1.10, he says, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice like the trumpet. Now, there is no day ever described the Lord's day that, like this, that doesn't relate to the first day of the week observance that the Christian church as, as early as the first century started observing. And so, even though I say that there's leniency here, I think that this day, the Lord's Day, is a great and reasonable and sound and historical day for us to observe a day of rest. I don't think this church should, hey, since we can, let's just have it on Wednesday. <laughs> I think we should maintain this. I think this is a good tradition. But I would be careful that we are not quick to judge others who are unable to observe a day like this. I can think of a lot of reasons. Persecution, why a church body might decide to worship on another day primarily and observe that as the Lord's Day. I can, I can think of other reasons. So we need to be careful about not making this when the Bible doesn't make it clear that's an it's established commandment, that we don't make it as a commandment of men. I would add, and this is, I think, where I rest on the, the matter of when should we observe the, church, the, the Sabbath day. I would say, for the most part, you and I should observe this day when the church gathers. One thing that comes through clear in the New Testament is this church is an assembly that's what it means that's what church means the called out ones means you called out to a congregation and we are not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together and i believe the day that the church binds itself together to observe that day that day of worship should be the day if you're able to observe the sabbath should be that day so i want to ask this question then that's all about a day. What are we permitted to do on the Sabbath day? And, and I'll also ask, what are we forbidden? But today, I just want to touch on this question. What are you permitted to do on the Sabbath day? In Exodus, we, we learn that you shouldn't work. You shouldn't work, and I believe that means for employment, for your survival. You shouldn't be working on that day. Not survival, that's too strong a word. If it's your survival that's at stake, Christ does permit you to work, by the way. We'll look at that. But if it's just your everyday business is what's restricted there. 
So first of all, what's permitted to do on the Sabbath day? First of all, doing works of love is permitted. Works of mercy, works of kindness. Luke 13, 10. Now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, and behold, there was a woman who had a disabling spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not fully straighten herself. You get the picture, right? It sounds awful, an awful pain. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said to her, Woman, you are freed from your disability. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight, and she glorified God. That's what you want to see on the Sabbath day. That's exactly what you want to see. But the ruler of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, said to the people, There are six days in which work ought to be done. Wow, sounds very, very righteous, doesn't he? Come on those days and be healed. And not on the Sabbath day. It almost takes your breath away. (laughs) Then the Lord answered him, You hypocrites. Does not each of you on the Sabbath day untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to water? And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound for 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? And he said these things. As he said these things, all his adversaries were put to shame. And all the people rejoiced at the glorious things that were done by him. There's actually two principles laid down here. The one that love is always permitted. Mercy is always permitted. Work to show love and to show the glory of God is always permitted on the, on the Sabbath day. Now, as I said last week, don't you expect that? <laughs> Shouldn't we expect that God would want us to show forth the praises of him who has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light on that day that is set aside for his glory? Because he gets glory when that's done. But secondly, we also see that Jesus doesn't reprimand them for taking their mules to get water. (laughs) There are parts of our life that are dependent on everyday observance of doing them for the sake of our existence. And Jesus doesn't restrict those things. He doesn't restrict them. If you're hungry, you can walk and go get something to eat. Go pick fruit from a tree. Jesus said when he led his disciples, we looked at it last week, through the cornfield, and they're not eating corn, they're eating another kind of grain, but corn is a grain, so it's translated corn. And he says, this is for man this day. If somebody's starving, feed them, eat food. That's the spirit of the Sabbath day. He also says it's admittable and and thankfully, it's okay that a minister works on the Sabbath day. In Matthew 12, 5, he says, Or have you not read that the law, in the law, how on the Sabbath the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are guilty? He doesn't mean there they're profaning it in some evil act. He means that they're working. They're working on the Sabbath day, but they're working for the sake of God's ministry. And I think that this doesn't just apply to me. This applies to you. You are priests, too. You are priests in God's kingdom. And you ought to minister on the Sabbath day to people's needs. And especially in service to the expression of praise and the expression of the truth of God. Since the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath, it is right that he be expressed upon our lips. 
and that he be that regularly, that we should minister to others in his service gives the Lord of the Sabbath the central place of this day. It should be on your lips, the works that he has done in you, the works that he would do for those who need him. I think your ministering on the Sabbath day with your words, with your efforts, is perfectly valid according to Christ. Three, and we'll end here tonight. We are able in the New Testament to provide our basic needs. And I would add this, though, and this is something I didn't say last week. What we need, if you're, if you're in need of something, you're permitted to use it. You're permitted to, uh, to work towards gaining that on even the Sabbath day, if it's a need. But that's on an exceptional, on an exceptional base, basis. And this is where we have to think through this, this principle. God's commands are not grievous to, to us. We should not apply torture techniques to the commandments of God. <laughs> oh, I'm hungry. Well, it's the Sabbath day and I can't make any food, so there we go. But on the other end, I think we can gain principles and insights how to prepare beforehand so that we don't just go into the Sabbath day and say, ah, well, I think I'll, you know, I've been meaning to do this uh, job, fix this on the house, so why don't I do that today? After all, it needs to be done. Well, you could have done that every day last week. You could do that every day next week. We cannot just make things up. We cannot make exceptions up. If there's a real need, you're permitted to use it. This is one thing that we have to think about in, in our employment relationships. Not everybody here has the right just to leave their employment and, and say, I don't care about you know, what you tell me to do. I'm not working on Sunday. We, don't have that, we have the right to quit, but we don't have the right to say no necessarily without being fired or without fear of being fired. There are things that are out of our hands, in other words sometimes when it comes to our observant of this day and I think that's what Jesus is saying there's permitted moments when things are out of your hands that you cannot control that you will not be judged for without leniency in those cases however that principle is not a license to do away from intentionally resting from our from our labors on one day out of seven for the glory of God. In other words, don't take the exception as the rule. If you're looking for an excuse to avoid observing one day in seven and keeping it holy unto the Lord, you need to ask yourself if you think he's worth a day. You think he's worth one day? I'm not asking you to earn your salvation. I'm not putting that upon myself either. I'm saying because of what he is, because of who he is and what he's done, is he worth a day? I mean, not a day where we, we say, but every day is supposed to live before God. And we do live before him every day. But we are also distracted. I don't know about you. I get a lot of time back here and I'm severely distracted <laughs> throughout the week 
with this and that project, this and that thing that needs to be done. I don't really know what a day off means sometimes. And that's to my own harm. I believe that. But we have to be careful not weaseling out of the things that God means for our good. Do you not love to focus the greater part of your thoughts and attention on him? You know, when I miss Lord's Day, if I'm sick or something, I don't know what to do with myself. I think that's the way it is for most Christians. This is just so needful for us. It's part of who God has called us to. It's part of what he's created us to be. He's ordained a day for holy rest so that we will observe and remember him. Him. 